There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Baskin Robbins always finds out. I for the faster way. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. Hey everybody, what's going on? Uh, welcome back to another episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. Uh, the podcast where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. Uh, I am your host, Chris. Uncharted territory for me. Uh, briefly charted in perhaps a bonus episode that you might be hearing soon, but uh, this is the first time I'm hosting a a real live regular old episode so uh bear with me everybody but thanks for joining us thank you for listening uh i am joined today by a patron and a regular which is which who's to say it depends on uh, on the universe but we have robbie hello how's it going robbie it's going yeah you excited to talk about this episode you'll uh, find out yeah we'll see <laughs> and uh and a special guest uh my brother danny that's me. Hey, welcome Wait, back to the brothers. show. Yeah, well, we, we don't talk about it much. A surprise twist. Yeah. <laughs> it is, uh, it, it's our dark secret. Uh, hey. yeah. Hang on a second. Which one of us is the dark secret for the other, though? That's that's the question. You're probably ashamed. You, you brought it up, so yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm a little hurt. You, probably, you probably don't talk about it. Oh, my brother's on a podcast. <laughs> I actually did uh, mention this because... I was telling some friends to listen so they could hear us talk about Nebula's Beehole. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, well, shout out to all the listeners that we've gained who wanted to hear us talk about Nebula Beehole. <laughs> Nebula. That's her full name, Nebula Beehole. Uh, anyway, uh, moving right along. Uh, as you know, we uh, bring this podcast here every week when we can to talk about the new Disney Plus shows. And right now we're going to be talking about episode three of What If. But before we get started, uh, I want to remind everyone that, yes, we are one of those podcasts that has a Patreon uh, at uh, patreon.com slash assembly required. And we have a new patron this week, uh, Lindsay. Lindsay, who has emailed the show uh, before. Hey. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome. Thank you for Hi, your Lindsay. support. Um, she's gained access to our exclusive patron only discord, which you too can join at any level. Uh, any level of donation patron slash host exclusive it's true the hosts are on and we don't actually pay robbery yeah yeah really we're just we're robbing ourselves though so uh but yeah it's it's uh, become a pretty hopping place lately i think i say this in the bonus episode we recorded recently robbie but uh there's been quite a bit of activity there we're really enjoying uh all the you know all the discussion that's happening uh, we share silly pictures. We share jokes. Uh, we had a nice conversation this morning about Muppet Avengers. And if you want to know more about that, join our patron, our Patreon. Uh, Lindsay also happens to have sent us an email uh, just this past week uh, with her. Uh, you know, she and Leah, her sister, have been uh, rewatching the Marvel movies and they just finished up phase three. Uh, she says 11. First, she says that 11 films are too many for one phase and her I, I, I really 
don't want to know, I don't know if I want to know what this was, but her quote of the phase, which I will share with you, and I'm not going to read the whole email uh, because, you know, she writes very thorough, lengthy emails that we love reading, and I'm going to hit some of the big points. Yeah, they're fantastic. Uh, but her, uh, her quote from Leah was, if I listen to these last three hours of podcast as my first three hours of this podcast, we would not be doing this activity. If memory serves, I'm pretty sure those were our two most argumentative episodes. I think they were, because they were so, Guardians of the Galaxy yes. Volume 2 and the beginning of Spider-Man Homecoming episodes, and she hadn't even gotten to the MJ discussion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we was... had we were pretty arguing on that one. Because... I think that's the most, those two sh- movies are the ones we've most disagreed on as a group. Yeah. And Robbie and I on the same team for Guardians and on decidedly different teams for Homecoming. Right. <laughs> yeah. You your own Civil War. Uh, yeah. Speaking of Civil War, uh, just a couple points from that. Uh, they did not like Tony Stark in, in Civil War. And uh, so much so that Leah went back and reorganized her whole MCU rating system to lower any movie that featured Iron Man. <laughs> wow. Uh, and they said clearly he is being perceived as awful in the universe because Pepper broke up with him. Good. I know the reunite. It's completely unbelievable to them. <laughs> uh, they, and they also said that it was a very complicated movie and they visited too many cities. Uh, she she has to imagine she only followed a quarter of the million plot points the first time she watched it. And uh, I am sad about this part where it took 32 minutes for us to actually let Angela speak and get a word in on the Civil War episode. We have our own Civil War and and we, we did not let Angela speak enough. So it's the innocent bystanders who are hurt the most. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, it is true. And uh, she wants to hear your your opinions on Flight of Passage, Robbie, and maybe I sent them to her. Okay, that (laughs) all right, excellent. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard them either. So uh, after we record, subscribe to Robbie's OnlyFans to get his uh, (laughs) theme park opinions. That's where they are. All right, good to know. Good to know. All right. Uh, Doctor Strange was the one that uh, that Lindsay was most looking forward to rewatching. And already she's thinking, did I miss something? Should I rewatch? She says it isn't fun like Guardians or Ant-Man. But maybe if she watches it enough times, she can med- herself, meditate herself into reality-altering powers. <laughs> uh, Strange is awful. He would never spit to therapy, but she hopes that Dr. Palmer gets all the help she needs to escape the wrath of that abusive relationship. <laughs> she's not wrong there. No. Uh, we actually talk at length. Again, we've got a bonus episode for you all to look forward to. I, I, I'm like overpromising here i'm afraid uh but we might talk a little bit about how dr strange isn't actually that great uh guardians of the galaxy volume two um drax is insufferable uh according to Lindsay, uh, especially him laughly loudly laughing at everything which i think is uh um what, what what some people said she agrees baby groot is not as good she agrees with you robbie that baby groot is not as good as old groot um, and she says she agrees with Eduardo that this movie doesn't need to be over two hours, but she does also feel that way about every movie. Uh, we actually, uh, we went to our library, or we got a library cards today and we checked out a couple movies, uh, Dracula and Frankenstein, the originals, and they are both about 70 minutes long. It's Love like, it. oh, wow, this is what movies used to be like, <laughs> you know, and I was like, that's not bad at all. Watch them both in the time it takes to watch any one of these Marvel movies. And uh, she says she agrees with Chris. I'm sharing this. Um, 
Yondu is only depicted as doing two good things his whole life. The movie isn't sending the message that he was a good person or a good quote unquote father. And she says she assumes she also agrees with Peaches on something. Uh, was he on these episodes? It feels like a lifetime since I listened to them, but let's assume he was and was agreeable. <laughs> Homecoming, she says, Michael Keaton is the scariest villain of the MCU, even without the vulture suit. She says, Thanos may be a monstrous titan, but Adrian Toomes scares me. And I, I would agree with that. She says, Tom Holland is the best live action Spider-Man. She says, Tobey Maguire is a terrible human being in real life. Garbage. Capital Gar. Capital Gar. Yep. And speaking of Capital Gars, she never saw Andrew Garfield. Uh, But based on everything she's heard, she says she probably won't make time for that in her life. Uh, And she said that most of the complaints seem to be uh, based on comparing the films to the comics. And she says, someone who doesn't know the comics, it didn't impact her viewing of the movie at all. And no creator owes fans anything. It's all capitalism. A creator company can do whatever they want. And we can also choose not to buy their product anymore. This is entertainment, not water access. I think that's a good line right there. Robbie, you already know what she said about your your MJ takes. And I just want you to take that to heart. Keeping that one private. Yeah. She loved the response emails that we got uh, from Mike and Alejandro. For Ragnarok, she said she disagreed with Eduardo saying that the director didn't turn any heads before this movie because she and Leah were specifically waiting for this movie because of Taika Waititi, having seen his previous work. She said, our heads were turned. And she said, wild to hear that multiple hosts didn't see this one in theaters because they were there with bells on. She said, the, your, Robbie, your feelings that your, uh, your fear of the MCU becoming all comedy is the opposite of their feelings. And they want more movies to go in the Ragnarok, Ant-Man, Guardians direction. And I loved this take right here because it's something that's near and dear to my heart. It feels like a similar take on how hyperspace hoopla was canceled. Uh, once Disney acquired Star Wars and wanted to treat the characters respectfully. If comedy is disrespectful, I hope we disrespect more fictional characters. But Hyperspace Hoopla was a one-off in a theme park that I actually did think was hilarious. That's not what I want Star Wars movies to be. All right, so uh, for all your listeners, your listeners who are unfamiliar with Hyperspace Hoopla, uh, look it up on YouTube, first of all. But back at Disney's Hollywood Studios when they used to do Star Wars weekends, and this was before Disney actually owned Lucasfilm, uh, the night would end they did this big stage up on the uh, our big show up on the stage called snake and hyperspace hoopla and it was a totally non-canon crazy thing where they brought in various different star wars stars they would uh the uh cantina band would come in and play the cantina song over and over again after pretending that they were going to play other songs making bad <laughs> uh they had a thing called dance off with the star wars stars where you had the light side versus the dark side doing these elaborately choreographed dance routines if you've ever seen um, Darth Vader with a sequin glove uh, dancing to, I think it was Smooth Criminal. Annie, are you okay? Mm. Yeah, there it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I loved it. I look forward to it every year. And then Disney bought Star Wars and decided, and this is a quote that I heard from somebody on the inside who might know. They decided that Star Wars is fun, not funny. Not true, first of all. Star Wars isn't fun. Star Wars is <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Um, Star Wars has plenty of jokes. It's great. But yeah, they wanted to, yeah, again, like she said, be more respectful. And it's it's no fun. I I miss, well, I miss Star Wars weekends. I'm going to move along now uh, because uh, this was, like I said, a very long email. Uh, So I'm not going to hit all of her points, but I do want to say that she says that Black Panther is the best MCU movie. They both rank it very high. Wakanda's great. And it's as fantastical as the various space settings. 
and that black and female representation aren't what make the movie great, but it is wonderful that this movie does have such great black and female representation and only the two white guys, the Tolkien white guys. Sure, he's the best character in all the MCU. And a quote from Bailey, men are talking over me. Uh, Infinity War. Um, there with anyone else that was confused about the beginning, about what happened in the Asgardians. She has no notes, uh, other notes on the film, uh, but she loved it way more than she remembered liking a film about losing. Ant-Man and the Wasp. We talked about the pronunciation of Delibird, 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 the Pokemon. And she had to stop the podcast and reflect on that. Um, and she and she enjoys that it's a low stakes movie. Captain Marvel, she said, hard disagree with Peaches because they were very distracted by de-aged Coulson because I said he looked like Mr. Incredible. <laughs> the de-aging still looked older than 32, which is what Clark Gregg would have been in at that time. Hmm. And she said she agreed with Angela and Bailey that this movie did not uh, make them make her feel empowered as a female, but she was glad there was a, at least a female origin story in the MCU. And uh, she said we should keep posted MCU rankings and update them as we go. Um, we probably should do that. Yeah, maybe we do need a website or something. And uh, Angela rating the Incredible Hulk three is the level of honest that Lindsay aims to be in her life. <laughs> and here we are, Endgame and Far From Home, the last two movies um, to talk about. Uh, why would Robbie think he's the only person who watched a pup named Scooby-Doo? That's where everyone learned the term red herring. Because until this point, and I actually already told her this, until this <laughs> point, no one, no one had mentioned, no one had ever gotten my reference, no one had ever mentioned this show, and then all of a sudden, like a year ago, everyone gets my references and everyone gets this show. Where were you people before, what was it? When did we do this episode? Like a year ago? Like, where Something were you like people? That, yeah. I don't know. Same place we've that always been. not me complaining. I am happy that I have found yeah. the pup named Scooby-Doo crowd. But where was the pup named Scooby-Doo crowd before this late moment in my life? And Danny, she agrees with you. Ant-Man is, Ant-Man is the MVP. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I forgot I said that, but yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Spider-Man very Far- strongly about it. Yeah. Clearly. So Spider-Man Far From Home, she was very stuck on Fury, getting all upset about Captain Marvel. And the reveal at the end made it make a little more sense, but she was it was wild and distracted them for the rest of the movie. So don't invoke her name when... When he says Captain Marvel. Um, they hated this movie. Almost incredible Hulk level of hate. I found that interesting. She said, I would rewatch this over the military movies, so it is higher in my rankings, but I don't think it's a better movie. As soon as it ended, there was a resounding sense of relief and anger for having watched it. Spider-Man feels like an enjoyable property. This was not enjoyable. So that, that to me, is Lindsay's hottest take. Mm. All right, Leah's ranking are now... Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor Ragnarok, The Avengers, Ant-Man, Black Panther, Infinity War, Endgame, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel. And then it seems like everything is kind of tiered below that. Thor the Dark World, Age of Ultron, Captain America, Guardians Volume 2, Winter Soldier, Homecoming, Civil War, Doctor Strange, Iron Man 3, Thor, Iron Man 2, Iron Man, and Far From Home. Yeah. And then Lindsay's rankings... Guardians, Ragnarok, Ant-Man and the Wasp all tied for number one. Wow. Yeah. I'm down with that. I'm happy Ant-Man with the Guardians at one. Yeah. Uh, then Ant-Man, Black Panther, clearly the best MCU film, but not quote-unquote fun, so I'm less likely to rewatch. Sure. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Infinity War, Dark World, Endgame, Volume 2. Uh, and then below that in the tiers, Age of Ultron, Avengers, Thor, Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel, Homecoming, Iron Man 3, Iron Man 2, First Avenger, 
Spider-Man Far From Home, Winter Soldier, Civil War, Iron Man, Hulk. Because we made it through phases one through three, listen to approximately one million hours of podcasts in just over a month. As we were wrapping up, Leah asked if we would keep watching along with the podcast. We're not up to taking on the non-MCU Netflix series, uh, but she's excited to keep going with the Disney Plus series, which she has already seen most of. I asked her to go on this journey with me as a way to keep me watching the movies. We ended up with asking her for more. That's cool. <laughs> oh, uh, we ended with her asking for more. So, yay. Leah, that makes me happy. Thank you, Leah. That is cool. Uh, Thank you, Leah. The MCU can be very enjoyable, but you all managed to make even the non-enjoyable parts worth watching. Uh, that 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 makes me happy. Thank you. Uh, thank you all for your work on the podcast, and we look forward to catching up with you in real time eventually. Regards, Lindsay from Orlando. And I happen to know she sent me a message earlier. They are now making their way through Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I'm sorry. I'm, ex- I'm excited to hear <laughs> yeah, thoughts sure. because Blowing her thoughts. coming. Because her thoughts about uh, uh, John Walker immediately being recognizable as a bad guy because of his punchable face made me smile quite a so, bit. So, okay, I want to talk about that because she did, she did tell Let's us. Let's talk that. about that. I yeah. just want to real quick say, because I know we talked about that, I know that on one of the episodes, which I'm sure she'll get at, there was a disconnect between us where we arrived at the point where I thought he was eventually going to be a painted by the show as a good guy. I need to be clear. I'm not saying a, an objectively good guy. I'm saying a painted by the writers of the show good guy. And Eduardo didn't think that was going to happen. But what I thought was early on, he was hateable, and Eduardo thought he was being painted as likable. And we just kind of casually arrived on that disagreement we didn't even know we were having through a conversation on the podcast. I think and that's I, actually what prompted this message to me. Okay. and I, <laughs> so, If and I'm so thinking of the right her, one. Hearing her say that is amazing to me because absolutely, I, I have since found out I was somewhat alone. Maybe not alone. Maybe Lindsay was on my side, but from the moment that the of the first episode or his first appearance on screen, I thought, yeah, no, I hate this guy. They're going to make him end up a good guy somehow because that's what he is in the comics. But I hate him. Same mm-hmm. thing, Lindsay. Punchable face, absolutely. Yeah. The redemption art that I called was never actually earned. Yep. Uh, she also says that she's binged the show in two nights, and uh, she agrees mm. it would have been bad to watch weekly, but she thinks she likes it a little bit more than she's heard from the general opinion. So. Someday, someday I will endeavor to binge that show over the course of the weekend. But I don't think I'm going. I got to build myself up to that. I believe it would that. be better. Yeah, I will. Pro- you know, I'll probably do it before Captain America Four releases. Okay. I think that might be Living a good time goes. to revisit it. I will. Um, but uh, again, thank you, Lindsay, for, yes, for your email, you. and we, we appreciate you and, and Leah going going on this journey with us. Um, Danny doesn't send emails. I I have actually he sends sent us money. At least one email. <laughs> That's true. That's true. He did send us an email saying that we hadn't talked about uh, the uh, the Hyundai commercials. That's right. Yeah. All right. But today we're going to talk about what if episode three. What if the world lost its mightiest heroes written by AC Bradley and Matthew Chauncey and directed by Brian Andrews. But before we actually get started on that, I've done a little bit of homework. Sweet. Uh, yeah. So I read I read the AV Club review of this uh, of this episode and. One of the things that the reviewer got cut up on was he thought that one change they made to the universe that didn't work for him was setting this all within one week. And I am here to tell you that it's always been one week. I was wondering. Because today I read the uh, five-part prelude to Avengers comic that they released. Now, 
Marvel used to, and they might still do this. They just don't get much, uh, much press as they'll usually release like a four or five issue miniseries leading up to it's set in the MCU continuity and it leads up to whatever the next big movie is. So this prelude to Avengers was called Fury's Big Week. And it's all about how he's dealing with the events of Iron Man 2, 4, and the Incredible Hulk all at the same time. Uh, so fun revelations from this comic include the fact that Natasha was just off screen for most of the Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> um, right over there. The camera just didn't move far enough. That works she, here. Uh, yeah, she shot the leader in the leg when he's like trying to recruit her. She's like, nope. And she's like, bring in cleanup. Yeah, so it, it was fun. It, it didn't tie too much into this, except for the fact that it was all set around the same time, which you can tell if you pay attention to the movies, because Iron Man 2, of course, they talk about Thor. Mm-hmm. And also, I think we did talk about this on the podcast, but in that last scene when Fury's like, uh, you know, you can be a consultant, the uh, footage of the attack at Culver University is up on one of the screens in this little right. thing. So, so they did subtly kind of hint that this was all happening at around the same time. Uh, Another interesting thing that this uh, clarified was that Ross getting access to the S.H.I.E.L.D. database was not approved by Nick Fury. He went over his head and went straight to the World Security Council, who at this point was trying to shut down the Avengers Initiative so they could focus exclusively on Tesseract weapons, which Fury did not really want to be a part of, apparently. The main takeaway I have from that research is being reminded that the leader is in the MCU. (laughs) Yep. Yep, someday. Maybe She-Hulk. Maybe they'll bring him back for She-Hulk. No, 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 leader. That would make a lot of sense. <laughs> All right. Shall we get started on this uh, What If episode then? Sure. What if we got started? Yeah, yes. how about that? What if we got started on time? <laughs> what, a uni- what a universe that would have been. It's not this universe. Monday. S.H.I.E.L.D. director Nick Fury and agent Natasha Romanoff travel to the donut shop to confront Tony Stark in a scene taken directly from Iron Man 2. Uh, I did enjoy Fury giving his there was an idea speech to, yeah, to her in the car. smart way to start the episode. Yeah. Now, Romanoff injects Stark with the lithium dioxide treatment for his palladium poisoning, but this time, rather than healing Stark, the future Avenger keels over dead. Our host, The Watcher, reminds us of the backstory of the Avengers in Phase 1. The plots of Iron Man 2, The Incredible Hulk, and Thor all happened within a week. We are reliving that week in this new timeline and have already seen what happens to Tony Stark. Tuesday. Well, Agent (laughs) Phil Coulson, (laughs) a.k.a. Sam. (laughs) Hey, did they ever say his first name? Maybe in this universe, his name is Sam. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, maybe that could that could be uh, one of the small changes. (laughs) Yeah, so all well, Agent Phil Coulson... I'm so glad you went back and changed that notes just for posterity. <laughs> well, <clears throat> while Agent Phil Coulson reports on the finding of Mjolnir in the New Mexican desert, Romanoff is being transported by Brock Rumlow and his team to, sec- to Secretary Alexander Pierce for questioning. They're S.H.I.E.L.D. or HYDRA. They're HYDRA. Just yep, so you guys yeah. know. Those They're guys bad guys. Now, uh, assuming she'll be able to break out, Fury asks her to find out what's happening and slips the injection cylinder that killed Stark on her person. Romanoff is able to knock out Romlo's team and escape the transport very easily. And uh, I did enjoy that. Yeah, I liked uh, Lake Bell as as Natasha. Yes. Is yes. that who it was? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah the, 
this episode was mostly original cast, uh, except for her, and then I think Thunderbolt Ross and um, Betty Tony. Ross. Oh, and Tony. Yeah, for well, Tony was barely in it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, but yeah, Lake Bell. Where was it? Oh, yeah, but Lake, yeah, Lake Bell. She's Poison Ivy on the Harley Quinn yes. show, right? Yes, yeah. yes. She's done several. Another things. redhead. Yeah, prominent. Yeah, another prominent voice actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did think the voice acting was, for the most part, pretty good in this episode. There were a couple that weren't so great, but you could tell that Samuel Jackson and Clark Gregg have done voice acting before. Yeah, uh, yeah they I seem actually, very comfortable in their characters. I actually think this was the best voice acting that any episode yet. I did not love Lake Bell the way you guys did, but I didn't. I didn't necessarily hate her either. I think it just kind of took me out that it did not really sound like. Yeah. Um, it it didn't sound like uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson Scarlet. to me, but it did yeah. sound like a good voice actor. And so, yeah, and this, yes. so this right, this whole episode sounded like quality voice acting, unlike. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of to what you're saying. We had Samuel Jackson. Um, we had uh, Michael Douglas. Uh, we had people that know how to voice act more so than just having the actors and actresses like Lady Sounds brought up before trying yeah. to voice act, and then. Yeah. Then we had Lake Bell, who knows how to do it, and we had um, uh, um, Clark Gregg, who knows how to do it. So it, it worked out very well in this episode. I feel like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I think she was. Sometimes you'll get like the they're going for like a sound of like like Steve Rogers, mm-hmm. his voice actor was definitely trying to mm-hmm. emulate Chris Evans. I think, whereas I think this episode, Lake Bell was just doing her own performance. Yes. Doing the character, but not necessarily trying to sound like Scarlett Johansson. Yep. I will say their voices are kind of similar. Yeah. In some aspects, so that helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I don't think she was trying to do an imitation. How do? You, she doesn't have a very imitatable voice. I don't think. I mean, she yeah. just kind of has a voice. Yes. There's not like something you can grab onto to be like, "This is the quality that I'm going for." But yeah. but I think she did a good performance as Black Widow. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Which, which makes the fact that she doesn't quite sound like Scarlett Johansson almost irrelevant, I think. Mm-hmm. It can be a little distracting, like, okay, that's the one obvious omission, but, mm-hmm. you know, what are you going to do? So that night, uh, Thor Odinson breaks into the S.H.I.E.L.D. pop-up facility to try and regain Mjolnir, just as in his solo film. Unlike in the movie, however, when Agent Clint Barton is observing the situation, his arrow slips and kills the Asgardian. Now... It's been a minute since I've seen Thor. When he gets banished to Earth, does he lose some power? Yes. Okay. He's, he's he doesn't get his powers back until he gets mm-hmm. Mjolnir. Okay. Because uh, like I don't I feel like that wouldn't have killed that normal Thor. But that was a thought we had too. But I think that's what it is because you have to remember that the plot of Thor is the same as Disney's Hercules. Right. And okay. he's mortal until he proves that he's worthy of being a hero. And right. that's when he gets his powers back because right. he's about right. to die at the end of that movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yes. So so while it took a lot to almost kill him in Thor, an arrow to the heart will also do that. Right. Um, pretty easily. Yeah. So while Barton is in custody, Coulson remarks how bizarre it is that two high value shield targets were killed within twenty four hours. Uh, Fury goes into Barton's cell to question him, but finds the agent was also somehow killed, despite no one entering his room. Robbie, you have some questions about this. Uh, Perhaps we have some answers. Yeah, I don't know. This was... So this entire episode is built on the conceit that Fury knew way ahead of time who was going to be the Avengers. And I 
when I watch the film, it comes from me that a lot of that is a little more organic. He has the idea of the Avengers, but hasn't set in stone, these people will be in the Avengers. It feels to me, when I first watched that film, it feels to me more like Barton and Natasha end up with the Avengers, kind of more from happenstance and less that Nick Fury is watching Clint Barton and saying, yep, good with a bow and arrow. He's going to be one of the superheroes I use. And, but here, here in this episode, it is clearly painted that, nope, Clint Barton was on the short list of people that will be in the Avengers initiative and now Hank Penn's going to kill him. I'm not saying that that's impossible. Like, it's obviously not impossible. I'm just saying I don't necessarily buy it. It did not convince me this episode did not convince me that Clint Barton was actually treated that way. Um, for Hank Pym to see him as, yeah, I got to kill Clint Barton because Nick Fury is using him to save the world. And I'll get back to that in just a moment. And then, of course, kills Thor here when they've all just learned Thor exists, including Nick Fury. And to be fair, they kind of explained that at the end of the episode where he says, although that was because he was Loki asking about Thor, but he asks, you know, uh, well, what about, what about Thor? Why'd you kill Thor? And Hank Pym says, well, you were going to recruit him. I know you were. And so I killed him too. And it's, why? Why would he have recruited him? As we know, he's just a normal dude that got killed by an arrow. Why was he going to be <laughs> recruited? And why was he important? But while the end of the episode says that right here where he's dead, Coulson and, and Fury talk about that, that two high value shield, shield uh, targets killed right away. And why was, why was Thor a high value shield target? No one knows what he is. No one knows what he's capable of. No one knows... His powers, they don't know any of this. He's just a dude with hair. Was he not referring to Tony and Clint? Clint Clint's Clint not dead yet. yet. Clint's not dead yet. Oh, this is right, right before right. Clint died. Yes. Right dead. before okay. Clint died. And gotcha. I, I I think the episode was mostly at the end of this episode, I don't think they're trying to treat Thor as the high value target. So I really think this was just a line of dialogue where they kind of forgot where they're going with um how Thor is treated in this episode. But still, there's this idea of they already had the Avengers put in place, and... It was an idea. <laughs> it was an idea, and these are who the Avengers are going to be. Notice Captain Marvel is not on the list. At the end, uh, everybody did have a nice logo on their casket, right, including... Right. That, okay, that, that was funny. Yes. That was yes. funny. That was like, eh. I remember yeah. Justice League, or uh, Batman v Superman, or whatever, where yeah. the metahumans, Lex Luthor, design logos for everybody. <laughs> I guess. Yes. Yeah, that that is exactly the same there, because that, that so, took me out of the episode a little bit. I was like, really? Yes. And so here's my issue with it. This is not Hank Pym just killing everyone who might be of use to Nick Fury, even tangentially. Um, this is Hank Pym very specifically killing the people that ended up being the Avengers in the movie Avengers before the movie Avengers. And it just ends up not feeling believable to me that Nick Fury would have this nice specific list of just these people. Because then in a few scenes, um, Fury indicates there's only... T- there's only Three more people left on the list. Well, two. He says two, but he is also on the list. There's only two more people left on this list, and it's the Incredible Hulk and Black Widow. And A, I don't buy that Fury would really just have a nice finite list with that. I believe he would probably be more like Nick Fury and have his options open, have lots of potential people. And I also just don't buy that Clint Barton and also maybe Natasha Romanoff would be on that list. I buy that they joined the Avengers 100%. It's just the movie just makes it way more organic. The movie has it. They don't explicitly say it, but it absolutely feels believably like Nick Fury has this idea. He wants to get these people together, and also Black Widow ends up in it, and Clint Barton ends up in it, and Thor shows up. Now Thor's in it. And it's really great in the Avengers film. 
This movie just makes it feel like that entire list was 100% preordained. Nick Fury didn't make any mistakes. Everyone he wanted on that list made it, and no one he didn't want on the list was, was, showed up either. Um, and I just don't, it, it's, I don't buy it. And it's not that it's completely impossible of a concept, but the entire episode hinges on that concept. And so the entire episode for me ends up falling flat for a few reasons, that being the main one. Interesting. Yeah, for me, I, I I think that with any what if story, you have to accept that there's going to be a little bit of fudging to make things kind of fit in the box sure. of what we know. But also, I think I could buy those two being they're they're both people that are close to the Avengers Initiative anyway. I mean, he's got Romanoff working Stark this whole time, and he trusts Barton enough to go to this, uh, you know, the, the New Mexico mm-hmm. incident. And I think it's believable that if he's putting together a group of superheroes, he's going to want one or two S.H.I.E.L.D. agents on the ground with them as backup. You know, I, his eyes on the ground. Mm-hmm. Because he's going to know that he cannot necessarily control powerful people. I, I mean, as much as he can control things. but But I do think that Having Natasha, who he clearly trusts very much, and he's not a man who trusts easily. And Barton, we know he trusted enough to put there in Project Pegasus, watching, uh, you know, overseeing the Tesseract experiments. I think those are probably two S.H.I.E.L.D. agents that he's worked with enough, that he has enough trust that he thinks that they can handle this and that they could be the S.H.I.E.L.D. presence that, that make the Avengers a S.H.I.E.L.D. organization and not just a loose team of superheroes that they do end up sort of becoming. Mm-hmm. Anyway, once S.H.I.E.L.D. was not able to to stick around. So so I, so I that didn't that doesn't bother me too much. What about you, Danny? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, or? I mean, like you said, it's uh, these are 30-minute adaptations, uh, alternate storylines. So mm-hmm. I, you know... Like you said, there's going to be some fudging, so I'm not putting as much, um, I guess, weight on that stuff. But I definitely, I everything you're saying, I cannot disagree with. Um, so I can see why uh, that would uh, affect your uh, view on the episode. Yeah, and to be fair, I'm I'm really not opposed to the fudging. They did some fudging in the other two episodes as well, especially the second one. I think. I think just for this episode, it felt to me more like the episode was the fudging rather than the fudging was part of what made the episode work. Does that make sense? Yeah, because it's very like everything that happens is contingent on this like specific. Right. Like this so-called list of Avengers. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it is the episode rather than the, you know, a little bit of fudging to get T'Challa to this point and then we see what happens. This episode is more about... I think this kind of gets to something Chris is going to say later. Um, not that he's complaining about this, but that this is, this episode is more. Okay. The first episode was about, Hey, T'Challa became Star-Lord. And here's a wild story that happened because of that. This episode is more like not that many crazy things. We, we haven't seen the, you know, the spins out of control. And here's where this universe is. It's more like, you know, here is something you've already seen, but then they die instead. Which <laughs> I, I, and I'm not, that is not necessarily a good or a bad thing. It just ends up being the, ep- that's what the episode is about. And I struggle with the conceit that makes that work, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Yeah. 
Like I said, I think I think with stories like this, you're going to find that everyone has their line of credulity. That right. Where does your crossed. Where does your suspension of disbelief end? Yeah, yeah. and and yours was a little yeah. bit closer to you than yeah. than it was for me. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. So Wednesday. By the way, strong Majora's Mask vibes on each of these. Uh, Angela said the exact same thing when we were rewatching it. She goes, "This is just Majora's Mask." <laughs> she goes, "I know they're trying to go. They're going for the uh, the title cards from the yeah. movies, but this is Majora's Mask." Mm-hmm. Uh, at the campus of Culver University, Natasha Romanoff confronts Bet- uh, Betty Ross, who recognizes her. That was interesting because she was My... just off screen. You told us that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was undercover as a uh, as a student in the comic. Um, right when this all went down. So mm-hmm. she actually got here for under different circumstances in this. But, she, but anyway, Betty recognizes her and Natasha wants help analyzing the injector that killed Stark. Ross confirms there's no trace of pathogens in the injector, but rather it looks like a small projectile was fired from it. Fury calls Romanoff to let her know of Barton's death and warn her the killer's going after names from the Avengers Initiative and says she and Bruce Banner are the only names left on the list. As luck would have it, Romanoff then finds Banner hiding in Ross's lab, just as Thunderbolt Ross's forces arrived to apprehend him. Oh, there was one more voice actor who was not the original from the movie. That was Mark Ruffalo uh, taking over the role from Edward Norton uh, of Bruce Banner. Did not even think about that until you said it. Like, yeah. you're right. Yeah. We just I, my favorite it. thing we just is that accept. the Hulk still had Edward Norton's Hulk hair, though. Did you right. notice that? <laughs> that I'm, weird? I, I'm watching this and I'm just accepting. Yeah, yeah. In my brain, yeah, Mark Ruffalo was in that. And then now that you say it, like, no, he absolutely was not. I think my <laughs> mm-hmm. brain has inserted Mark Ruffalo into the Incredible Hulk at this point. I wouldn't mind. Yeah, <laughs> that would be interesting. Did, his, uh, the character design was kind of weird. Yeah. It was yeah, like some sort of like, like, it was in between. Especially when in, in the beginning when the Watcher is showing us... I guess he's showing us. He has like a slideshow that he's going through for us. Right. Of artwork of the original Avengers. You know... The, uh, the Bruce Banner there was like, is that Ed Norton or yeah. Mark Ruffalo or both? I don't know. They made an Animorphs cover and they picked <laughs> the one in the middle. <laughs> you know, now that, you, now that we're having this discussion, I realize that if George Lucas ran the MCU, they absolutely would do a special edition of The Incredible Hulk with Mark Ruffalo inserted. Special edition I wouldn't mind them doing would be changing Thanos at the end of Avengers to look like Thanos from the later movies. Mm. Yeah, that'd be kind of like the Emperor and Empire. Yeah, like I would totally be okay with that. It's not a big deal, but he'd at least be a little bit more recognizable as Thanos as the Thanos we get later. Although I will over the course. Yeah, yeah. I will stand on that soapbox of while I understand why they made Thanos look the way he did in Endgame and Infinity War and do not have a problem with it per se. I do really, really like the look of Thanos at the end of Endgame or the end of Avengers. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Thunderbolt Ross's force has arrived to apprehend him. Banner is shot by an unseen marksman, not on Ross's team, and hulks out, reproducing the sequence from his solo film. This time, however. The Hulk suddenly grows in size until he explodes. It's creepy. Danny? I'm about to lament again. Lament. Danny's <laughs> Lament. Everyone's favorite weekly feature on Simply Required. <laughs> Why do they insist on exploding people in this show? This is two weeks in a row. It, it's gruesome. <laughs> it's just like a wave of green... Uh, as the Hulk just like starts bulbous forming and 
oh my god i i i guess in the first episode we didn't have a character exploding although there were some nazis who went flying into like a wrecked car so they probably exploded but that was at least not a uh, visible yeah oh i red skull might have exploded in the squid dimension yeah we just didn't see that's no, true he was in the squish dimension uh, oh that's right yeah he got flattened yeah yeah um anyway i'm looking forward to uh the remainder of the episode seeing how many people just like have these most gruesome deaths but yeah, no like blood star wars everyone's hand gets cut off uh-huh. but if everyone explodes <laughs> well in some ways you can argue that this is embracing the what if mentality because uh all right so the simpsons treehouse of horror since they're out of continuity, they just kill the characters in as mm-hmm. many ways as they can. Mm-hmm. The old what-if comics were often like that. Yep. What if this thing happened? Well, it turns out everything sucks, and here's how all your favorites die. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care about people dying. I just right. don't want to see people explode on screen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I'm going to be with Danny, and I'll admit why I'm with Danny. Like, specifically, the Hulk explosion made me really uncomfortable because, unfortunately, as a creature of the internet, I find... Um, don't look this up, folks. But unfortunately, I stumble on inflation porn more often than I would like. And I hate the fact... How do you stumble uh, on that? No follow-ups, no (laughs) follow-ups. First, you delete stumble upon. (laughs) Now, now I hit the back button as fast as possible, because it is some weird, uncomfortable crap. Uh, But that's what Hulk looked like in this scene. And I... It gave me too many PTSD flashbacks from websites that I never meant to go to. And mm-hmm. maybe that's, honestly, maybe that's where my rating at the end of this episode comes from, is Hulk giving me reminders of corners of the internet that I regret going to. I mean, the worst that ever happens for me is if you click on a trending topic on Twitter and it's like a character from a movie, yeah. chances are if you scroll too far down, you're going to run into some weird fan art. That is part of it. Okay. Um, there's lots of reasons. There's, there's parts of the internet where you get some great stuff, and then, but it's also your people are unrained. It happens on Twitter. Um, it does happen on Twitter, yeah. We also, there is a friend of this show that delights in sending me stuff that I don't want to see just to get my reaction. Um, and I hate her for it, hmm. but yeah. <laughs> Fair. So anyway, agreed, Danny. Maybe yeah, even yeah. extra agreed, Danny. Yeah. You didn't know how much I was going to agree, Danny. I will... So I have a group chat that I'm part of where uh, Danny is as well, where a few of us, we set up a, it's called the spoiler discussion. So we muted every week before the new episode comes out. Well, I happened to open a messenger and I didn't see the full messages, but I did see the first few sentences or the first few words of one message that was the Hulk kill was. So I was like, okay, I don't know if that means that the Hulk kills someone or someone kills the Hulk. And then I watched, I'm like, okay, so the Hulk's going to get killed. So I knew there was something that was remarkable about the Hulk kill. Not what I was expecting. My God, <laughs> I was disturbed. It was, God, it was, it was, it was a Mr. Creosote, but the mm-hmm. Hulk, it was. <laughs> and while we're a- on it, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, so have you seen Akira? I have mm-hmm. not. Well, mm-hmm. listeners who have seen Akira, I'm sure some of you have. You'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, 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 I don't you know. know. I, I recommend watching it. It's a really good uh, movie. Taika Waititi is supposed to be directing uh, an oh. adaptation of that. He's been uh, talking about it for a long time. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Probably not. Oh. There's a um, little side story, but it's not related to the show, so I'll tell you okay. later. <laughs> All right. 
Um, while we're on this subject, it also like talking about how remarkable and creepy this was. Something that's occasionally talked about is how the disturbing possibilities of Ant-Man that are never really handled in the films because these are supposed to be enjoyable. Um, <laughs> and I feel like this episode oh. kind of handled how disturbing Ant-Man could be if he wanted to be. The part where he flies out of Clint Barton's head, we don't even see what he did, but mm-hmm. we just know he went in there and killed him. Like, that's just, yeah. that makes me unhappy. Yeah. It's like, it's like earwig uh, fiction, but real. Well, have you seen that someone made the fan art of the what if, a poster for what if, but it's Ant-Man jumping up towards Thanos' butt? Oh, God. That's what <laughs> I was afraid you were going to bring up. Yep. That's what everyone said. Was that all? All Ant-Man had to do was climb up Thanos' butt, and I don't know why it had to be his butt. I don't He should have gone for the head. But what kind of face is that? I don't know. I'm just thinking of possibilities here. Let's let's not think of any more possibilities. Agreed. Meanwhile, Loki, <laughs> the Warriors Three, the Destroyer, and the Asgardian Army land in New Mexico to confront Shield over the death of Thor. Wait, were the other two warriors there? I only saw Sith, but maybe they were there. Um, just the one with the arrows. Uh, well, no, the. Hold on. Sif isn't one of the Warriors Three. It's the Warriors Three and Sif because yeah, I should have had we Sif. have. Yeah. Um, one of them was there. Uh, da, 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 I recognized. Uh, is it is it Fendral? Sure. I can't remember okay. the Warriors Three names, but I definitely. Now, did he look like Zachary Levi, or did he look like uh, the guy from Once Upon a Time? Wait, hold or on. Was he somewhere in the middle? <laughs> Zachary Levi, a Warrior Three. Only in Dark World. I have no memory of this. Was he not and I wasn't Ragnarok on that episode. Oh, he was in Ragnarok too, and then he died. The yeah, movie. the Warriors three were in Ragnarok the same way that, like, I don't know, I was in the running for a big promotion. It's. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry that you got killed. <laughs> Imme- <laughs> immediately after getting promoted. <laughs> it's like the good news is you got the job. The bad news is we've axed the department. <laughs> anyway, I definitely did recognize one of them. I just can't remember their names. Okay. Volstag, um, Fandral, and... The other guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cheerleader. I think it starts so with an so. M. Oh, well. Yeah. The ugly one! <laughs> Which one is that? <laughs> Don't answer that. <laughs> Ow, Using... my stomach lining! <laughs> Ow, my most of me! Uh, Using the casket of ancient winters, Loki attacks S.H.I.E.L.D., but Fury delays the assault, convincing Loki to hold his attack while he looks for Thor's killer. Loki gives Fury one day. Okay, Technically, on. only gives him one night. That's yeah. true. Um, was the casket of ancient winters named in the show? Should I know what that is? It's the, it's the ice box. I mean, no, no, I know, but should I know the name from something? Uh, I think they might say the name in Thor. Okay. But I don't remember if they do, actually. I think they do say it in Thor. Maybe I'm wrong. Like I said, it's been a minute since I've watched it. For the listener, it's the ice box that turns Loki into a frost giant, but here it doesn't turn him back into a frost giant. He just gets to use it as a weapon. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the the projectile ice box. Because that's what they get at the beginning of Thor in the flashback when they fight the Jotunheim, uh, the frost giants, in Tonsberg. And that also happened during this very busy week. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah so wait real quick oh yeah, what yeah would have ha- where, where would we be thinking back to Thor 
Is this right after Odin goes into Odin's sleep? Is that probably where this is? Yes. Okay. He would he would have been in the Odin's sleep, I think, at this point. Yeah, because Sif says the Allfather would want us to... Right. I'm just trying to think of what state Asgard and Loki are in. So yeah, because... I guess it's while he's sitting on Odin's <laughs> throne, um, probably did the little double cross of the Frost Giants and then yeah. comes out here. Yeah. Because I think if Odin were okay, he would have gone down himself. Right. And so, are we to believe, I, I assume this is the, the, the takeaway we're supposed to have, that Thor is really just, or that Loki is really just using Thor's depth as an excuse to attack Earth, not actually yes, out. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because he, I mean, this is years, uh, a year at least before the Avengers, year, year and a half or so. Um, so he wants to rule. He can see this is a great opportunity to try to take over Midgard, I think. All right. In a nearby public library, um, Romanoff uses Coulson's access to the S.H.I.E.L.D. database on the Avengers Initiative. Password, hashtag Steve, 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 I heart Steve 0704. Robbie, what did you think of that great joke that made me laugh? I rolled my eyes again at you saying it out loud. I, <laughs> okay, so this is something we talked about with um, Peaches last week where he was actually taken aback by how cartoony some of last week was. And you and I both like cartoons, so we disagreed with him on that. Mm -hmm. I am okay with them being a little bit cartoony and zany on this show. In fact, I kind of want it. I just felt like it fell flat in this episode. My problem is, like, they turned Coulson into a clown, and that'd be fine if he was actually funny. I just didn't actually find any of this funny. I thought the the password was too over-the-top, the... the, obsessing over Thor's hair was to me, it felt like someone trying to be funny when they are not actually funny thinking, this is what funny jokes are. I'm going to put these funny jokes in here. And it not, it was not funny to me. It just felt forced. Um, and that's also how I felt with the password. And that's how I felt with the, you know, like two lines after, after Nick Fury talks about Thor's literally rotting corpse. He uses the words rotting corpse. (laughs) Bill Coulson talks about how, but he smells like lavender. Like what, what, what's, (laughs) <laughs> and it just ended up just being, it just missed the mark for me. And I don't, so, okay, this could be either, I'd be happy with this, this, if they played it super straight. I'd also be happy with it if they played it for comedy, but they just got to do one of them well. And just in this episode, I didn't feel like do either of them well. And it, I am learning that it is maybe just me. Although I feel like some of our other, some of our other friends, if they were on this episode, I wouldn't be alone. Yeah. Um, but I just, now that said, comedy that did not miss the mark for me, um, Loki was genuinely funny, uh, and also was funny in the way Loki is already funny. It would, it didn't feel forced. Genuinely funny to me, and not quite, uh, a little bit cartoony compared to the, um, live action MCU, uh, was everything Michael Douglas said was hilarious. <laughs> the delivery of, you're, uh, still pretty spry for a guy with a corner office, is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a cartoon. So, and part of that was how good Michael Douglas was at delivering the line, how well his face was animated. That was funny. That was good. So they're not incapable of humor. I just think they forced it a little too hard uh, with Coulson. Uh, and it just, I th- and I'm not, I blam- think... I'm not blaming Clark Gregg. Clark Gregg was perfectly good at his voice acting. It was Clark Gregg's writing that I have an issue with. I think I figured it out. What? They put the hyperspace hoopla version of Coulson in an otherwise not exaggerated TV episode. 
Yeah, I can buy that. Because that's what Hyperspace Hoopla was. It was they would pick the things that fans always joke about the characters and then yeah. turn that up to 11. Yes. Yes. And that's what they did with Coulson here. Yeah, I agree. And for no, me, I thought I thought that was funny, and I was like, well, this isn't really believable, but it's making me laugh, so it didn't bother me. Uh, and I'm a Coulson stan anyway, so just having right. Clark Gregg back, all, you know, that's always gonna a good way mm-hmm. to get points from me. You know, That's certainly insightful, and I think you're completely right, but I, I honestly, I don't think that's all of it. I think that's part of it, but also I just, hyperspace hoopla was also just funny to me. Yeah. Um, if this whole episode was hyperspace hoopla-esque, then I would still find the Coulson humor to just be a little forced and not actually funny on its own. Like okay. I just, it just didn't work for me. So yeah. and that, that is obviously clearly subjective. Dana, do you have any thoughts about Agent Sam Coulson? <laughs> um, I don't know where Sam came from. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, um, I, I was very glad to hear Clark Greg, Clark Greg. Right, Clark, Clark Greg. Okay, yeah, Sam, just, Sam Greg. Two first names. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it was nice to see or well, hear him again and kind of see him. It looked like him mostly. Um, I will. I oh, do you hear bear barking? I, I do. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's fine. Everyone likes dogs barking. That's true. Yes, everyone it's like a Zoom bear. call. We want to I hear know. your dog. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, anyway, um, I am closer to Robbie on this. I think. Um, yay, <laughs> Robbie had a big smile. <laughs> um, yeah, when I went through be... the notes, I was so afraid of how alone I was going to feel on this this podcast. <laughs> no, I, I it was a little much. Um, he was very. I you wrote Coulson's clown act, which um, I thought was a funny phrase, but <laughs> <laughs> also fairly accurate. He was very much the comic relief, which isn't a bad thing. But like you said, it just I don't know seemed a little off with everything else. Yeah. I could see that. Loki um, confronting uh, Nick Fury while he's uh, getting a phone call was funny. Yes. Yeah. Um, Are you going to get that? <laughs> yeah. Like, kind of a little something. Yep. Yeah, I did like that. So, so like, the, the comedy overall wasn't bad. Just Coulson, yeah. I think. I don't know. Yes. I'll agree with that. It was not the episode in general. It was specifically Phil Coulson's stuff. I mean, it sounds like for you it was also the episode in general, but we'll... Well, okay, no, hold on. <laughs> hold on. We'll get to... Uh, I mean, I've kind of expressed that I don't necessarily care for the episode in general, but for the comedy aspect, it was okay. specifically a Phil Coulson problem. Okay. Well, uh, while researching, Romanoff finds a woman, I did air quotes there, listeners, <laughs> uh, who died two years ago, accessed the Avengers Initiative database one day earlier. And I want to stop here and talk about the fact that in uh, Nick Fury's original list of Avengers candidates, we see Janet Van Dyne, which I think is really cool because Wasp is supposed to be and should be a founding Avenger, uh, as Robbie certainly has expressed over, over the years. Uh, the one issue I have with this is, from a continuity standpoint, is that Janet went missing, I believe, in the mid-80s, mm-hmm. and the Avengers initiative wasn't an idea until after... Fury met Carol Danvers. And mm-hmm. I think him including Janet is either a bit of an oversight to make us think about, to make us realize what was about to happen. I want to get back to that point after you're done. It might have been a bit of an Easter egg, uh, just referencing, uh, I, again, I, to use that phrase, but a literal Easter egg to make us think about, hey, Wasp was supposed to be a founding Avenger. She just couldn't because she had vanished. 
Or Nick Fury is just really optimistic. Yeah, someone's going to find her eventually. And what she does <laughs> will make her an Avenger. Uh, so it made me smile, but it's one of those things where if you think too hard about it, it doesn't really make sense. I it, I think it kind of, you're, you're completely right. And I think it kind of, part of what you're completely right about, about on, by the way, is that Janet is awesome and should have been a founding Avenger. But the other thing you're right on is the disconnect. And it kind of gets back to what I was saying a little while ago of where I feel like there's a disconnect here. If the Avengers initiative was really just Nick thinking, get superpowered people together, here's a list of superpowered people. Here is Janet Van Dyne at one point. You know, maybe she's still out there or maybe she's not, but this isn't this is what I'm talking about when I talk about getting people in the Avengers initiative. It would make sense for her name to be in the file somewhere to me. That totally makes sense. It's just that elsewhere in this episode, they treat it as like this definite list. These are the, what, six people that will be Avengers. And that then introduces what you're talking about with the timeline, um, the continuity issue that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's one or the other. And I feel like this episode never really decided what the Avengers, what he means when he says the Avengers initiative. Did he mean an idea in terms of a broad idea of getting superpowered heroes together or did he mean it was an idea right <laughs> dude i mean these people specifically oh, and only these people and all mm -hmm. of these people and that's where it kind of falls short to me when it's the latter whereas if it's the former which they do in some aspects it seems like that's totally that to me makes sense yeah Danny, anything to add or just a hearty nod just hearty. a hearty nod yeah I, I, <laughs> you know I, I when i first saw it i was like oh janet Mm -hmm. And then um, uh, at that point, well, no, not at that point, because uh, obviously when uh, in the Hulk segment where uh, we find out that it was a tiny ballistic or whatever, like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. it's it's an Ant-Man. So that's what I was going to ask. At mm -hmm. what point did you folks realize what was going on? Is that when you did, when they were in the lab looking at the Danny? When it? When yeah, they yeah. I mean, when they said it's like, oh, it must have been like a whatever she yeah. said. It wasn't the, the antidote at all. It was something. Right. Project's like, okay, there's pin particles at play. That's where my wife figured it out as well, although she didn't say it out loud. Now, she wasn't certain it was Hank Pym, but she was certain it was someone right. using Pym technology. What about you, mm -hmm. uh, Chris? When did you figure it out? It was this scene. Same. The combination of seeing Janet and I figured out the it's about hope clue really quickly. Right. And plus the way she was getting knocked around. It was like, oh, that's a tiny person. Right. Okay. So that's same. You and I are on the same page as to what we figured out. And I'm wondering if Janet's name showing up on the screen was important because she's on a list of names, but my brain picked out Janet Van Dyne. Because she's and, the only one with an X over her. Right. And so my brain, my brain picks out Janet Van Dyne. And so my head is already in that space. So I'm thinking when, when she starts getting thrown around, like, yeah, for a split second, it's like, wait, who's invisible? Oh, no, not invisible. And then, then when she yeah. says it's all about hope, I kind of piece together. Yeah. Kind of what was happening before the episode actually reveals it. I had a, a brief moment of doubt when he pulled out the pager. I'm like, oh, she meant Hope in Captain Marvel? But yeah. then I ended up being right about what was going on. Because so. I actually, when Clint died, I was like, is it Loki? Because we had seen in the movie Loki getting into that locked cell. Mm -hmm. So he was like the only one I could think of who could get in there. I was wondering. But then the I remembered, thing. but no, this is before the Avengers. So Loki wouldn't care about the Avengers right now. Right. Yeah. That was, yes, so at the point that Clint died where my head was, I was thinking a Loki variant, and this was going to be connected to Loki, mm -hmm. the show, and maybe a Loki variant was going to mess with the Avengers for some reason. 
Um, but yeah, I, and so I'm wondering if the Janet thing was, and this is smart, if the Janet thing was there to kind of subconsciously get you to the page they wanted. Because I think smart, that's that how, I think that's, we're supposed to think that that's how Nat got to that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that, I think that's where I was going with my point. When oh. I said, when I Sorry. first saw, I was like, okay, that kind of solidified for me. Like, okay, this seems to be like a clue to uh, what's going mm-hmm. on here. Yeah, when when she says, I'll just read this part right here. Romanoff is suddenly attacked by an unseen force. She attempts to call Fury, but ends up only able to leave a voicemail saying it's all about hope before she's killed. And as oh. Danny pointed out before the uh, the show, if you watch her subtitles, hope is capitalized. Uh, so spoiler warning there. And this actually made me think that it was hope. I didn't go to the obvious answer of right. Hank Pym Same. Uh, certified jackass. I thought I went, it was hope and wanted to know how she got a suit and why she was going after these people. Yeah, because I was like, oh, she wants revenge for what happened to her mother. Like in this universe, she found out what happened and she's taking, she's getting her revenge on S.H.I.E.L.D. for taking her mother from her. Because I was thinking about how Hope was, you know, look at her hair. She's all business in the first Ant-Man. <laughs> and with a push in the wrong direction, I could see her going bad. But, you know, in retrospect, of course, is going to be Hank. He's just the worst. Yeah. So as, as he listens to Romanov's voicemail in New Mexico, out of ideas, Fury pulls out his Captain Marvel beeper uh, to call her for help. Before an idea finally clicks, he travels to Loki's camp to make a pact with a god or deal with the devil. Mephisto. Oh my yeah. god, he's here. Mephisto confirmed. Yep. Side note, uh, that cafe that he's in is where Thor smashes the glass. Another yes. Which, yes. Apparently, uh, Robbie, did you realize that at first? Yeah, actually. Yeah, I did too, Sorry. but apparently... Uh... Yeah, I did not. <laughs> It makes sense. He's in New Mexico. I'm, I, I'm I don't pretty know why sure I, I watch Thor more than anyone else associated with this podcast. I'm also hey, pretty I sure... haven't seen Thor in a minute, and I still got okay. it. <laughs> um, yeah. I also like, and part of why I love about Thor is having grown up in New Mexico. It makes me think of New Mexico. So, yeah. so oh, yes, okay. I did recognize that. I did see in the like the establishing shot where um, you can see like the ice off in the mm-hmm. distance, and it's like the main street. The pet mm-hmm. shop is there on yes. the left. Yes, yep. Oh, I, that's I was fun. specifically looking for the pet shop when they had the establishing shot. So. Are you guys the pet shop boys? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thursday. Thursday. Oh. He's already dead. He died Wednesday on... Wednesday uh, is Odin's day. Yeah. Friday, I'm in love. That's Frigga's day. <laughs> that's also uh, the wrong band, not pet shop. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the pet wrong shop 80s. boys. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, we're going to have to erase all of this. All right, Fury heads to a cemetery in San Francisco where he visits the grave of Hope Van Dyne. Uh, Hank Pym, in the yellow jacket suit, which I thought that was a fun touch, Yep. Uh, confronts Fury, angry about the death of his daughter. We found out our variation in this timeline. Hope was recruited by Fury. Uh, I lost my spot. Whoa. Uh, Hope was recruited by Fury to join S.H.I.E.L.D., but ended up dying in the field, sending Pym over the edge. Uh, so I've said before, I definitely prefer for this show so far when they take a jumping off point to tell a new story uh, with familiar settings and characters rather than when they just do a treat, a tweet retelling of, of a movie like they did with the Captain Carter episode. Uh, and I, I enjoyed the Captain Carter episode, but in retrospect, it is, 
you know, I, I've enjoyed the turns that they've taken a little bit more with the subsequent episodes. And I think that what if a serial killer off to the Avengers before they got started, is, it's a great idea. But I also think that the one little change that the show seemed to be premised on based on the first two episodes and based on the understanding we have so far of the multiverse based on Loki, where there's an event that creates a branch of the timeline. In the long run, it's a it, for this episode, it's a little bit trickier because they don't start with the what if, the, the change. They ask a what if that is only possible because of a change that happened years before this episode and they and they hide it from us for the mystery which i think is fine i i enjoyed this episode i'm fine with that but i can see how that might have upset some people based on their expectations of what the show is mm-hmm. supposed to be and i can imagine an alternate universe where this episode is actually following hank pym on his journey to kill the avengers and that could have been an interesting it would have been a very different story it would have been the same story, but a very different kind of episode if it had been, we find out that this thing happened to Hope, and now we're following Hank Pym's descent into madness. Yeah. And that, and that maybe that was darker than what they were going for. Not that you can get much darker than an Explode-A-Hulk, but... Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, this is a fantastic topic that I'm glad you introduced, uh, that I think is interesting, kind of just from a, a creation standpoint of talking about this episode. From an outline standpoint, like the outline outline structure of this episode is actually something that I think is really smart and interesting. I don't necessarily want every what if episode to be start with the change, see what happened from the change. This idea of it being a, a sort of a mystery box episode where we don't know what the change is and why these things are happening and then we get the explanation. I think that's a very smart idea. I question the, my issues come with the execution of the episode, the what not the not the how not which how execution you're gonna have to be more specific there were <laughs> <Okay>. several <laughs> um so so if they want to explore this idea again of let's show things happening and then look at why they happen towards the end of the episode completely down if they do that mm-hmm. it's just i don't find the story that interesting it's just a dude running around and killing the avenger you know sometimes <laughs> they sometimes they That's talk about Every now and then someone will mention, and I know how we feel about cinema sense here, and I don't disagree with it, but he does this as well. This idea of there's a better story that is referenced rather than the story you see. I kind of feel that here. Partly what you said about following Hank Pym's descent into madness, but also the ramifications of this episode, which we'll talk about at the end, but the ramifications of this episode I do think are very interesting. But that's not the episode we get. Instead, we get the episode where the Avengers die. And... I, I didn't find that as interesting as the what if that comes out of after the Avengers are dead. And then also the moment, our moment of Hank Pym, of, of Hope Pym becoming, no, Hope Van Dyne, sorry. Hope Van Dyne becoming a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, I have a couple issues with. One, I don't feel that strongly, but because Peaches said it, I want to introduce what Peaches said, mm-hmm. which is, what? It, it, it is a major point in this episode that is never at any point, like, do we ever have any sort of inkling at any point anywhere else in the MCU that, yeah, Hope was about to become a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. I don't, I don't find it implausible. I just find it, it's a really important thing to just come out of nowhere, if that makes sense. I don't have as big a problem as he does with it, but I do think it's a justifiable concern, and because he brought it up, I wanted to put it on the episode. But on top of that, 
I just find it less interesting than small tweets. You know, we had an episode based on uh, Agent Carter just decided to stay downstairs. We had an episode based on um, literally just the only change was instead of doing it himself, Yondo delegated. This is honestly a big life change. And it's, it's not that there's anything wrong with that. It's not that that would create ripple effects. It's that when we explore what if ideas, not just in Marvel, just in general, I like when the ripple is a very small thing. And I think this is not a very small thing. Again, this is, this is a personal preference. This is not me saying that's bad. You can't make it about Hope Van Dyne. What if Hope, Hope Van Dyne was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent? There's nothing inherently wrong with that. I just am less interested in it than how we handled the other one. And so that's kind of where my concerns are coming from in this episode. A lot of them are more personal. I am not interested in the root story here. I am not interested in what we saw. I am interested in the ramifications. Structurally, I'm interested in the episode. The ramifications that come from the episode that we don't get to see, I'm interested in, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Let's I say, think, uh, I think what happened was when they like pitched this episode, uh, they're like, we want to do a murder mystery. Ooh, mm-hmm. what if somebody killed the Avengers? They're like, well, how do we uh, do that? So then yeah. they retroactively got to they, the real, like, this is the change. This was the Nexus event. Right? Like, I think yeah. I think you're right. Instead I was going to say the same thing, I think. Instead like, of it, what would happen if we did this change? It's like, how do we justify this change? Yeah. They're, which, you know, they want to tell a story. I think uh, the idea of somebody killing the Avengers is a fun idea um mm-hmm. you can it's really fun let's kill the avengers mm-hmm. i want to do that and we don't um, have deadpool to do it for us in this right yeah we gotta, we gotta get <laughs> hank pym to do it yeah so i, I wonder this is kind of we're getting off the what if like point that you brought up but just, how did they get to the point where hank pym became their murderer i would I, love to know like the creative like process for this episode me too. yeah yeah, that's what's weird about an episode that I don't like. I still am really interested in the creative. What, what was the creative process of this episode? It, it's I would really like to hear that. I'm sure, first of all, this is a really fun writer's room because you get to sit around and ask what if about these stories. Uh, and that's literally the pitch is what if. And I'm sure they probably started with what if someone killed all the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And I think I think you're absolutely right, Danny, that they want to do a murder mystery. They were like, let's let's figure out how this murder mystery could happen and they worked their way backwards. And I don't know if it was like the only person that could do it is someone who could shrink. That would be someone who could evade everyone's detection. And that was like their moment that clicked. All right. And so what would make Hank, you know, maybe they just wanted to do an evil Hank story because I could buy that too. Yeah. Combine some ideas here. Yeah. And (laughs) maybe they're like, okay, now what would be the thing? Like we are obviously know that he hates shields and all these people because of what happened to Janet. So if we took hope from him too, is that also what would uh, push him? Uh, be the thing that pushes him. So I have a feeling that's probably they worked the way back to it, and that's why it doesn't feel like a momentous change to us because it was the ex post facto kind of mm-hmm. justification. Mm-hmm. Which again, I hope I used that right. That's yeah. not necessarily a bad thing if you are interested in the content it produces. And I think that's where we really diverge is I was less interested in the produced content than you guys were. Okay, yeah. I will say kind of as a murder mystery, I'm not sure how well it is pulled off because, I mean, obviously we 
and this is presented as one episode of one series of the greater MCU. So obviously there's more than what's in the episode, but up to that point, like there are hints at something that if you know the MCU, you know about Ant-Man and Hank Pym and all that. But as like a self-contained story, there's like, Oh, who's this guy? You know, like there's, there's nothing generally there's, you know, in a murder mystery, you're presented with the culprit at some point, but it just kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. If you don't have that knowledge, which I, you know, I, I feel like at this point, you know, you're watching an MCU thing. You have some general idea. So maybe they can get away with it or they think they can. But just like as a, I think when they were like some of the creatives, like in interviews, they mentioned this as like an Agatha Christie type. I don't think they they got to that level. Mm-hmm. Not that they're necessarily necessarily trying to say that they were like oh we produced an agatha christie mystery but that 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 was like their inspiration maybe um but i I don't think that that aspect of it got pulled off very well yeah yeah there there weren't really clues Mm -hmm. that you could you know there you would have maybe and here's the thing is that maybe it would have made it too obvious but some other way beyond showing janet van dyne on a on a computer screen to make us think about that, that we could have solved that. I mean, granted, you solved it a lot more quickly than I did, but no, I I didn't know Hank Pym in a yellow jacket suit. Yeah, it was just yeah. like I was like, okay, you know, if there's a tiny projectile, who better than a tiny man? Yes, <laughs> who indeed? <laughs> so, as uh, as Pym shouts at Fury about how he took everything from him, what a classic villain line. Uh, <laughs> And his desire to ruin everything Fury hoped and fought for in revenge, we see how he killed the potential Avengers. Hiding in Stark's treatment, then launching through the needle and into his neck. Causing Barton's finger to slip when watching Thor. Flying through Barton's ear and killing him. (laughs) Shooting into Bruce Banner's bloodstream and throwing an enlarging device at Hulk's heart. (laughs) And attacking Black Widow in the library. Um... (laughs) Fury, specific- <laughs> Fury specifically asks about Thor, and Pym explains he knew Thor would get recruited, so he killed him too. Now, Pym attacks Fury, but finds the director more than capable of defending himself. Uh, that line you loved about being pretty spry for a guy with a corner office. <laughs> As Pym gets more and more confused, Fury begins to grow and duplicate, then freezes Pym in place and reveals he was Loki all along. How quickly uh, and- did you know it was Loki? Um, pretty early on. Yeah, the moment he slapped him away, I'm like, oh, okay, it's Loki. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was about that. Or I didn't give a damn about any of them. I'm like, first I thought, okay, he's just egging him on to, to like, make him crack. But then, yeah, when he started, uh, you know, fighting that hard, I was like, oh, you know, I think this is Loki. Mm-hmm. Like, the out-of-characterness combined with his mm-hmm. fighting skills, like, no, yeah, this is Loki. This is the second time that Sam Jackson has played somebody else playing Nick Fury. Ah, that's true. Talos. Yeah. Yeah. As Pym is taken into custody, Fury insists S.H.I.E.L.D. is people. People like Hope. Giving their lives to... (laughs) S.H.I.E.L.D. is people! (laughs) (laughs) S.H.I.E.L.D. is... (laughs) S.H.I.E.L.D. is people like Hope giving their lives to save the world from bad people and disables Pym's suit. Pym is taken away, shouting for Fury to honor Hope's memory. 
him saying shieldless people reminded me of Ragnarok with Asgard. Is yeah. That, no. Shield isn't a place. <laughs> it's a people. Uh, the foundations are strong enough we can rebuild. Yeah. <laughs> Loki watched the UN. Nope, definitely not. Uh, Fury thanks Loki and asks him to leave the planet. Loki says that they should be allies and he'd like to extend his stay. Friday. At a UN assembly, <laughs> Loki <laughs> using. I didn't write that. I, I, know, I know you didn't. I saw that and said, I know Danny did this. <clears throat> Good, because I actually did want to talk about this here. But I will, re- I will read this. <laughs> Maybe. At a UN assembly, Loki using all, <laughs> using all his. To- <laughs> Loki, using all his diplomacy, addresses the Earth as its new leader and gives his speech about how humanity craves subjugation. All right, so an explanation. Uh, Danny has mentioned in a previous episode, I think it might have been last week's episode. It was the first one. It was the first one. Yeah, that's right. I listened to that one. That he was able to find what purported to be descriptions of the episodes on IMDb. And he said that the third episode description was interestingly worded. And now I will share it with you. Because it actually was not what this episode was about. What if Loki presented himself to the Earth governments as king of Asgard using all his diplomacy? (laughs) Loki standing in the mirror going, hmm, how much diplomacy should I use? All of it. (laughs) Over the caskets, the hopefully labeled caskets (laughs) of the potential Avengers, Fury tells Coulson the Avengers were more than a team. They were an idea. And I actually really liked this speech. This is a good Nick Fury speech right here at the end. As the Watcher uh, tells us hope never dies in any universe. And a quick sidebar, I want to say, yeah, hope did die in this universe. And that was the whole problem. But I really enjoyed in this episode how a lot of the establishing shots and transition shots had the Watcher in the background watching everything. Yeah, I'm, I and, meant to mention that earlier and forgot. Yeah, and I want to know, is that something that I just missed in the last two episodes? Yeah. Or is it just something they didn't do? I think do? it was more prevalent this one, but it definitely yeah. I remember it last week's episode. Um, he's in the background of Wakanda, I believe, when... Oh, I do remember that. Out. Yeah. I do remember but, yeah, that. Yeah, no, because I meant to... I actually, on my own notes, I, I think I wrote, I forgot to mention this, but... Don't remember yeah. if we've mentioned before, but I like seeing the watcher in the background. It was my yeah. Name. I want them to just keep doing that. I, I want more hidden watchers uh, to, uh-huh. to watch for. Really that was a hidden. good shot. But yeah, I know these weren't really hidden. <laughs> that, but it's it, not Hill it was, House ghosts. Yeah, no, it's it's Bly Manor ghosts, who I, I think were a lot more obvious. Uh, some of them were at least. Uh, anyway, uh, as the Watcher tells us hope never dies in any universe, Nick Fury personally finds the frozen body of Captain America. And, oh, and I, I enjoy the line here. Welcome back, Captain. And the camera pans over and you see that Captain Marvel is standing there, too. And she says, where's the fight? Danny, this presents an interesting question, does it not? Yes. Ask that question. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> what if the Avengers were different? That's the question. No, I was I was wondering uh, at this point. Um, you know, it it seems like we uh, we have two captains now, Captain America and Captain Marvel. Um, so Nick Fury seems to be assembling a team. Uh, who's going to be in this version of the Avengers? Um, who's around at this point? 
you know, we have lost Tony Stark. We've lost Bruce Banner. We lost Thor, Hawkeye, Black Widow. I stopped using their real names halfway through because <laughs> um, it was taking too much effort to remember them. Um, but anyway, so I, I wrote down some ideas. Um, okay. We, uh, as a Tony Stark or Iron Man stand-in, we have Rhodey who at the time, uh, you know, in Iron Man 2 is Iron Patriot slash war well he's just war machine yeah no iron patriot was not but he this is when he he got the armor like the day before the tony went to the donut right so he has the war machine armor so he's possibly an option Mm -hmm. uh presumably sam wilson is somewhere with his wings um obviously not having met well like he wouldn't have met captain america at this point anyway but he's he's an option he is an option yeah um Stephen Strange is not Doctor Strange at this point, but he's still in the future, could potentially be there. Mm-hmm. If you want a big gamma boy, you got Abomination somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh which would be risky, I think, but he's certainly in play. Uh is there anybody else you guys can think of? I want to real quick talk about Abomination yeah, because if you want to. Yeah. Just real quick. I'll stop you. The um, it's explained in the short, the consultant, the Marvel one shot, the consultant, that the reason Tony went to talk to General Ross about putting together a team is because the World Security Council wanted abomination on the Avengers. Oh, and Fury absolutely did not want that. He wanted Banner. He wanted Hulk. Uh, so he sent Tony Stark to annoy the hell out of General Ross so that Ross would not give up Abomination. That's pretty fun. Yeah. So that that's, again, sort of their... They're like, how do we make this work? Uh, yeah, this is what was happening. Because clearly they just put Tony in that... Before they decided that Tony was not going to be officially invited to join the Avengers. Mm. So... Little retcons. Yeah, so they like we'll make him a consultant, and uh-huh. we know that Ross won't listen to him, and he will not allow the Security Council to take Abomination, and therefore they'll have to use the Hulk. That was Fury's big plan there. Very interesting. Yeah, uh, wonder if we'll yeah. ever hear from the Abomination again. Uh yeah. Who knows? Uh, you know, <laughs> I think it's pretty unknown and not revealed in any big trailers or anything um but yeah this is a really good question and this is why i hope that this is one much like captain carter i think has a lot of potential for in season two revisiting this universe and seeing what else happens as a result Uh yeah uh, that's kind of been consistent i feel with every episode is at the end it's like oh well i want to see where this goes (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. yes this one especially um yeah i mean as with everything, you kind of think, okay, what does this mean for Thanos' plans? Uh, I mean, I guess he's not going to give Loki the scepter. There would be no point in that. So yeah. does he just do what would have made sense in the first place and keep the scepter and the Infinity Stone that's inside of it instead of give it to someone else and make his whole life harder for no reason? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I I feel like, honestly, it just becomes not that different of a universe, but more different how things progress in the universe like earth has to fight for its liberty but then i guess we probably still have something fairly similar to the infinity saga um yeah you just wouldn't have asgard on your side though correct 
rough. What, but Odin's going to wake from his Odin sleep at some point, right? And then then probably that's going to mess with Loki's plans. Yeah, he would probably <laughs> right. he would realize what happened. Right. Um that said, without Thor, um what happens when hell hell yeah breaks out? Um <laughs> who stops hmm. Hela? Uh let's see. Um oh, 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 okay. If Ant-Man is the MVP, oh! There's no Ant-Man. So yeah. who actually undoes, how do we undo the snap if there is no Ant-Man? I will answer that for okay. you. The snap never happens because Captain Marvel's on the Avengers. Right. So that was another thing I was going to go. If we, this universe doesn't have the writing issue of, shoot, we didn't introduce our OP character until it was too late in this phase. How do we explain away the fact that she hasn't been helping? Which again, is not a complaint. That's fine. I, mm-hmm. It's how things work. But yeah. in this universe, we've got Captain Marvel on Earth already. And yeah. I think that's probably our biggest change. Yeah. Um, I could see, with Asgard taking over the world, I could see Black Panther joining the Avengers early. Wakanda, mm-hmm. I don't think they could stand for Asgard invading and subjugating the world. Right. The entire Earth Asgard can't. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, Wakanda would realize it's only a matter of time. Uh-huh. And, you know, they've got war dogs all over the world, first of all, but I think that Black Panther would step up here. The question is, at this point, has T'Challa already taken on the mantle of Black Panther? I, yeah, I guess T'Chaka's still too old in 2012. It's only... Yeah. Yeah, so so probably T'Challa as Black Panther would, uh, you know, maybe side by side T'Challa and T'Chaka uh, as Black Panthers. Uh, so, so, I, I, so, yeah, I think we actually get Wakanda... Revealing themselves earlier. You know, um, I said Doctor Strange might eventually, but we got Wong, probably. Yeah, and the Ancient One. Oh, yeah, the Ancient One's still around. Yeah, so yeah, we'd have plenty of sorcerers able to step up. Maybe Mordo. Uh, mm-hmm, be yeah, because Mordo hasn't got... Mordo won't go bad at this point. Yeah. Yeah, so so yeah, I think you definitely get sorcerers stepping up because the sorcerer... I mean, Doctor Strange even says in Ragnarok that Loki is the kind of person that the sorcerers keep an eye out for any yeah uh so yeah so i think we get you know the armies of wakanda to help fight back uh which that might be enough um but you also get the sorcerers uh you you have captain marvel and then like for your core avengers i think you get black panther you get captain america and captain marvel uh, i think you're right about war machine uh i don't know about abomination yeah, uh, they might see him card. as. Yeah, I think he might be a little bit too hard to control there. I'm trying to think of other heroes that we know exist. Well, at if this you want to go the other way, we can think about who won't be around, so we won't yeah. get Vision. Right. Um, yeah. But then I, we also won't get Ultron. Yeah. Would we get Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver? No. No. The Scepter won't be here. I, yep. I feel like the Scepter is never going to be on Earth, so no Scarlet yeah. Witch, no Quicksilver. Yeah. Is them. Uh, Spider-Man would presume well, uh, depending on what changes happen because of the invasion of yeah, the that yeah, might if, that might keep the bite from ever happening. Yeah. Right. If you don't get Spider-Man, it is a true butterfly effect. Like these things meant that he didn't get bitten. It, yeah. But it's we don't have a direct like this. 
because Spider-Man was an independent event from the main Yeah, and if you do get Spider-Man, so, then obviously right. his storyline changes because there's no Tony yes. Stark. Uh-huh. But maybe Spider-Man becomes more important. Like We might get a different these... Spider-Man. Yeah. And potentially because Peter Parker may end up not just being like that. Peter Parker in the MCU is introduced as true street-level Spider-Man, which uh-huh. makes sense because there are these big dudes handling all the galactic consequences. Um Maybe when there's no Iron Man, maybe Peter Parker kind of steps up to the plate of, you know, saving the world instead of saving Brooklyn. Hey, you know who's around? Daredevil. True. He doesn't have his outfit yet, but I think by this point he's already active as, you know, at least wearing his black mask. And I feel like he's the kind of person Fury would at least be aware of, even though he's not, like, super active as the devil from Hell's Kitchen yet. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. Uh, that's just a possibility. But talking about different Spider-Man, I've mentioned bullet points before that comic. Um, and part of that story is that, so Dr. Erskine gets killed a day before he does in the mainstream universe. And as a result, everything spirals out from there. But part of him getting killed is that his, his escort from the U.S. Army is also killed. And his escort is Ben Parker. And that with Ben Parker dying during World War II, he doesn't he's not around to raise Peter. Peter doesn't have the influence of Ben Parker in his life. And Peter Parker becomes the Hulk because he's trespassing where they're doing some gamma testing. Oh. Bruce Banner goes out to investigate this and gets bitten by a gamma irradiated spider, and Bruce Banner becomes Spider-Man. Hmm. Uh so when when you have a change this big there's almost there's nothing you can't do almost yeah. mm-hmm. find different ways to make different characters mm-hmm. happen in you know with different right yeah so which gets back to what i think is interesting is the possibilities this episode sets up more than the episode itself yeah yeah i i, I would i would really love a sequel to this episode like what yeah. if a new avengers team had to be created to fight the entire yeah. forces of asgard yeah picturing it had this been an episode that, like, in the first two minutes just explained away Hope Van Dyne died because she was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent and Hank Pym killed all the Avengers, here's what happened, and then that's the episode, that would have been, oh, that's a really interesting conceit. I would like to see where this goes. Whereas, uh-huh. instead, that was the whole half hour. Okay. I can see that. All right. Uh, well, I guess we've kind of covered what do we think happens mm-hmm. in this time. What could happen in this timeline? That was a, that was a good question. Uh, ratings. Uh, Danny, uh, how do you rate this episode? Uh, I did bump it down a little bit during this episode. Um, yeah, I still did enjoy. I did enjoy it. Um, I had it as an eight, but now it's a seven point five goth kids out of ten. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I still have it pretty highly because I thought it was an enjoyable, fun episode uh, for the most part. Uh, so I gave it eight point five lavender scented corpses out of ten. Uh, Robbie, bring it down. Um. Man, okay, I legitimately did not like this episode. What I did like was watching Danny bump down his rating as we were discussing it. That's actually something that happens on the show a lot. I Sometimes yes. I have the ratings up so I can watch people <laughs> reacting to the, oh, no, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Half a point off. It's or like half a point off. I, I actually vividly remember during the Black Panther episode, both Chris and I were slowly raising our Black Panther ratings as the episode went on. Like, nah, that's the point. That's a great scene. This episode's better. This movie's better than I thought. Anyway, 
I genuinely dislike this episode. Uh, I'm giving it th- 3.5 uh, Spry Guys out of 10. Spry Guys on stilts? Spry Guys on stilts. You know, I almost made that. <laughs> I, I almost did that. going to say it if he didn't. So. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, something we've realized we haven't done because uh, we haven't done this for the other series because they've been overarching. But with these being self-contained stories, uh, we're going to start treating them kind of a little bit more like we treat the movies. Uh, so we're going to do MVPs for this episode. And uh, Robbie, can you give us your MVP for, for this episode? My MVP is Hank Pym, because I think Michael Douglas delivered the most entertaining character of this episode, even if it was only one scene. Yeah. Uh, how about you, uh, Danny? My MVP is Hank Pym's eyebrows. No, uh, <laughs> I did like that his eyebrows really let you know that he has gone mad because That's they were true. all over the place. You can tell. Uh, no, my MVP, uh, believe it or not, the man who is there the whole time, Nick Fury, uh, really enjoyed Samuel Jackson's performance. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I feel choice. like he doesn't really... He is Nick Fury... I guess it, it's uh-huh. very effortless, I think. For yeah. Him. Uh, and like we, you had said earlier, he's done voice acting quite a bit at this point. So, I mean, I thought he did a good performance. I thought um, I especially enjoyed when he was Loki as Nick Fury. Um, that, was that was, that was enjoyable. Um, pretty spry performance. <laughs> um, but yeah, pretty Nick spry Fury. for a spy guy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Chris, you have a blank there, so... Yeah, I don't have a blank. I have no I, idea what to expect here. I was uh, really tempted to give it to Coulson, partly to show Robbie, and partly because I just... Coulson is one of my favorite MCU characters, so it, it's always a delight whenever he shows up, uh, for me at least. But what I do, I think I have to give it to Nick Fury as well. Samuel Jackson, again, just like you said pretty much everything I wanted to say about his performance. He, he you know, you can tell... He's a seasoned voice actor at this point. You know, look at the Incredibles movies and all that. Uh, And he does just inhabit. I think he can just turn on the Nick Fury character. And I don't think he has to work that hard to do it. Uh, It helps when the character he's playing was based on him in the first place. Yeah. So. (laughs) Also, thank you for letting me uh, go before you for MVPs then, if you were also going to pick Nick Fury. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, you're welcome. All right. And, uh, and another thing, uh, do you want to give retroactive MVPs to the last couple episodes or just move on? Wait, cause uh, we haven't thought about it. If I give two, I, I had actually, I can give it two seconds of thought. Um, yeah, I really I mean, boring, really boring. But I think in episode two, it was T'Challa. Um, as emotional as I was about seeing, uh, as emotional as I was about seeing Nebula be whole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he said it. Woo! He said it. It was T'Challa, and then I guess in episode in an episode one, I think it was Peggy Carter. So really boring that, and yeah. and for the record, Nick Fury was actually close to my MVP. So the quote unquote main character of each episode has been, I think, potentially the strength of every episode. Yeah. What about you two? I, I would have the same MVPs. Okay. Honestly. Yeah, yeah I won't be contrarian. Uh, All right. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, uh, the only one who could give T'Challa a run for his money was Thanos. I think I agree with that. Yes. But, and I might've picked Thanos to be a little more interesting. Had we actually done it on the episode. Yeah. But he's the Scotty Pippen to, uh, T'Challa's Michael Jordan. Yes, exactly. (laughs) 
Uh, we're also going to start ranking these episodes, uh, but that does, that doesn't matter. We don't have to go back. We're just going to rank it. So, Robbie, uh, rank. I think we know this. I think we could probably guess all of our rankings. But go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Um, the the T'Challa episode. Uh, so episode two. I don't remember. It was what if. So when T'Challa became Star Lord, that was the best episode. Um, I think that episode is a perfect proof of concept for what what if can be. Mm-hmm. Um, Captain Carter was enjoyable. But that's my number two. It's a distant number two, but it was still an enjoyable episode. And, of course, the one I didn't like, the Dead Avengers are at the bottom. All right. How about you, Danny? Um, I have also T'Challa as Star-Lord number one. Um, And then number-wise, I have the other two rated the same. But I'll give the edge to this one because I liked the performances better in this one. Hmm. Yep. And uh, my rankings. Although, oh, the first one didn't have an exploding Hulk, so that's true. I don't know. Point in its favor, but it did have an exploding Hydra Stomper. Oh, that's also true. Uh, but yeah, two, three, one. Yep, and uh, that's actually going to be my order as well. That of uh, the what if T'Challa were a Star Lord? Uh, that one's I think going to be hard to top for me. Uh, you know, for some emotional reasons as well as it was just a, a really fun story. And exactly what I want out of a what if. Uh, then this episode and then the Captain Carter episode, which I enjoyed. But like the further we get from it, the more it's like I wish they had done a little bit more with that. All right. Well, uh, thank you all. Uh, uh, Robbie and Danny, thank you for uh, for joining us today. Robbie, I mean, you know, you basically always join us. And Danny, you seem to always join us now. Yeah. I will not always be joining us for a little while. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're going to be. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, neither will I for a yeah. little while. Yeah, uh, that's well, actually. I did want to say real quick. Um, thank you everyone for listening. We are. It's just a weird time for us where Eduardo is literally a father, and we just have a lot of vacations all at once. So you're going to see some weird lineups on the show. So um, hopefully that's still enjoyable um, and still yeah. great. It's just life it happens. Better be. Yeah, um, I will. <laughs> I'll be gone for, I guess, the next three weeks. And Marvel is being rude and still giving out tons of content while all of us are going through, you know, life stuff. So that's cool. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Marvel. I liked it better when they were on our schedule. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah. So, so yes, thank you, everyone, for continuing to listen, even with our a bit of a rotating lineup. Uh, and I want to thank everyone who's been a guest on our show, Danny, then... Angela and Bailey. Bailey also obviously unavailable right now for the same reason as Eduardo. Um, uh, but yeah, everyone everyone who's been on the show, Patrick, Cody, all, all of our guest hosts, Arnaldo. So uh, everyone who's been on the show, thank you. Thank you for joining us and and, and being mm-hmm. part of the family here, part of our, our, our little squad here. And and again, thank you all for listening and and be part of that. If uh, if you enjoy the show and you want to help support it in a in a little bit of a different way, of course, patreon.com slash assembly required again gets you access to that Discord we've talked about. And and of course, a big thank you to our Avenger level patrons, Brian and Riley. Uh, if you want to email the show, like Lindsay, you know, again, we love emails and long emails like like Lindsay's. Like we we really do appreciate those of you who are listening and have a lot to say, you know, it's, it's a conversation. We, we love having these conversations with you. So email the show at assembly at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at assemblycast to follow, to follow our, our podcasts account uh, also available on, we have a Facebook page as well. So please uh, follow us there, like us there. And uh, on Twitter, if you want to follow any of us, uh, you can follow me at GatorSax2010. Danny would be at DLars93, Robbie at PhilKid3, 
Uh, they're not here right now, but at the Lady Sound for Angela, at ABCD Eduardo one for Eduardo, and at D underscore Peaches with a three and a Z because he's cool uh, to follow Peaches. That's about gonna do it for us. Uh, so I'm gonna gonna just take the first two sign off bits here and say thanks. We love you three thousand. Bye everybody, and Excelsior. And boobly boobly. Captain Genocide!